Hello, it's Jared from Transform Your Teaching. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to our podcast. We have had an absolute blast putting it together for you. We hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. We have a survey that we'd like you to fill out for us to help us to improve because we want to serve you and hearing from you will help us improve the podcast to serve you better. Just follow the link in our description and in the show notes. It won't take you long to do and we really do value your feedback. So please fill it out for us. Thanks in advance and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Hello and welcome to Transform Your Teaching Podcast on the campus of Cedarville University. My name is Dr. Rob McDowell, and with me today is Jared Piles. And the reason why we've switched with me doing the intro is because Jared has a great story to tell. And without further ado, because today we are talking about academic integrity and artificial intelligence. I think it's funny that you said without further ado, and then you went ahead and gave further ado. So I need you to go back. No, no, I think you should leave it. I think it's great. <laughs> I just would like you to realize how difficult this role is to start it a is. podcast. It's hard. Yeah, it is. So you're welcome. So my story, here we go. You're brilliant. Oh, thank you. So uh, other members of the Center for Teaching and Learning, Ryan, who does all the project planning, and Jacob, who, what does Jacob do? <laughs> what does he do? So anyway, Jacob, who is the instructional media producer, instructional media producer. That's right. Um, he, we were having lunch at our, at here at the university, our dining hall is called Chuck's, uh, uh, informally, maybe formally. I don't remember. But anyway, we're sitting there having our, our lunch and, you know, we're amongst students of the university and or out of the corner of my eye, I see a student on a Chromebook, um, taking a canvas quiz i i built courses here at the university so i know what a canvas quiz looks like even from a far distance and i see him taking the quiz i'm like i'm just gonna watch and see what he does because i keep seeing him switch back and forth between tabs or screens it, it was actually screens in this case with the chromebook so i i see him switch over to the quiz he highlights the question and he does something with his keyboard, and then he swipes to the right, and he pastes it and hits enter. And I'm slowly realizing the student is just taking the questions, throwing them in the chat GPT, and then having chat GPT generate answers. And then as soon as chat GPT is done with the answer, he is copying the answer, pasting it back into the quiz, and then moving on. He's not looking at the questions. Wow. He's not looking at the answers. He's just he's just moving through, going right through it, mm. and then, so I I just kept watching. I'm like, man, should I go over there and talk to him? I just kept like I was, I was on the verge of going over to talk to him when he got up and left. Um, but then I saw with my eagle instructional designer eye that when he submitted it, he had failed the quiz. So maybe there's a little bit of, of course, maybe the short answer stuff needs to be graded mm. on its own. But yeah, so there isn't. 
element of where this is this is showing up. Oh yeah, all over the place. Even on mm-hmm. you know we're a Christian campus, and so this is showing up. And we can talk about the ethics of cheating and academic integrity and stuff. But what we want to do in this episode is talk about academic integrity when it comes to chat GPT mm. as well. Yeah. Well, we definitely have had those issues. I've before the end of the semester this past year. Um I've had several faculty in my office. And uh as you know, and those who are listening will tell you, uh that we use Turnitin here at Cedarville and Turnitin most recently has given uh access to their AI detector. And so many faculty have turned that on for their assignments and so it's been used and it is flagging um and it's flagging accurately is it uh, yeah and so it's a lot of the conversations thankfully when faculty approached the student you know they they went ahead and you know yeah i did use it we've had at least one false positive but that one was easy to figure out but there have been a lot and i think the thing the the one of the main things that that i want to talk about anyway uh at least for a little bit between you and i is what i think is probably the greatest potential risk to ai or having ai in an institution like university in a, you know a university setting not just a university setting but anywhere let's just be honest i think mm-hmm. once you hear what i'm about to say and that is the the erosion of trust so how do i get to that well chat gpt is creating an environment you know if let's just look at cedarville for a moment between faculty and students where an assignment's being given and from the get go now a lot of faculty are thinking how much are they using ChatGPT? Mm-hmm. You know, they're not even questioning it to some degree. They're assuming that they are. Yeah. When they read their assignments, especially if they've done previous assignments where they've had this student before in another class, and then all of a sudden their writing has changed from one semester to the next, like overnight, and it's this amazing, you know, <laughs> this amazing work that it most certainly wasn't. Last the semester. Se- last semesters. Like yeah. either you did a lot of work between semesters or using chat GPT and then they're finding out that, yeah, they're using chat GPT. So there's the part where they think they're using it, which immediately has us thinking the worst. Yeah. Then there's the part when they actually find out that they're using it and that destroys trust for the future. How are faculty going to, you know, deal with this. And that's that's really the big question moving forward because as we know, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm assuming. Let me step back. I believe that relationship is the most important thing when it comes to actually being a transformative force in someone's life. Agreed. So if you agree with that statement, then that means in an educational setting where we pride ourselves on discipleship and we pr- pride ourselves on, and maybe that's a little bit 
too heavy-handed to say pride ourselves on, but we take that seriously. That's probably a better way to say it. In a location where we take it seriously, we take discipleship seriously, and we take training our students to their, you know, to obtain the very best that they can, that causes real problems. Yeah. That lack of trust can, that undermining effect causes real problems for the faculty. And I think it causes real problems for the students as well, because some of them, you know, and you've said this to me, you know, we can't assume that this person actually did that. That's the wrong way. That's the wrong way to go about it. We're not looking, we shouldn't be looking for, you know, a demon behind every bush, so to speak. We should, like the the term that I always heard when I taught high school, because I was under the impression that my students were using any opportunity they could to cheat. I had an administrator say, no, assume the best of your students. Just start there. Mm. Assume that they didn't mean, because I had a big issue with students citing sources, not to go too long on this, but um, citing sources and just plagiarizing. And the administrator said, well, are you sure that they know what plagiarism is? Mm. So starting there, and I realized, oh, wait, it's not their fault. It's the fault that I haven't taught them the blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that's what's true about any of this situation. I'm just saying that, you know, we have to start with the best, that our students are doing the best they can, and they're not heading down that way. But like you said, there is that bit of erosion now with chat when ChatGPT shows up. We can't as freely assume Mm -hmm. the best. Yeah. I think the the image that comes to mind, and you and I share this, and maybe those who have ever been out to the coast of Oregon might be able to share this as well. There are, there are places along the the Pacific coast in Oregon, on the on the you know the beach that people have built homes or businesses right on the edge of cliffs. Yeah, and those things have been. Uh, the waves have come in and king tides and stuff, and they've cut under those soft banks, and the and these buildings now are starting to fall into the ocean. And to some degree, that's the image that sticks in my mind with AI coming in because nobody's paying attention to it. Right. You know, they're not really thinking, oh, we need to shore up the foundations, and but that's exactly what we've got to do, I think is as especially as Christian educators, we've got to shore up the foundations when it comes to AI and have discussions about what does it mean to be an image bearer of God when you you know you interact in these ways in education. Yeah. Cuz it's more than just getting a grade on an on, a, on an assignment. Right. It also brings up another issue that I've been thinking about as we've been discussing this in our offices over the summer and starting back in January is, you know, when an instructor uses chat GPT to help create, like I've been creating assignments for my course this summer. Mm-hmm. If I'm not letting my students use chat GPT, what gives me the integrity or the ethics to use it myself for building stuff in my course. Yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective. It's one I've also had with other faculty, you know, how do you how do you let others know? Because here's here's the reality. When you as a student 
if you're a student, you walk into your professor's office, and I remember doing this, and I'm having trouble writing a particular assignment. Yeah. And they get, they say, okay, well, look, you, you've got it screwed up. Here's what you need to do. And they give you, um, not the whole thing, but they give you an outline. They say, well, I want you to do this. I want you to write this. You need to make this statement, and then you need to finish this up in this way. And so you go back and you do that. Yeah. Right? But you don't cite your professor. It's and true. the professor would not expect you to cite them. That's true. You know, and and I know I'm kind of maybe making a straw man to some degree, but I have actually had that happen to me and wondered as a student, well, shouldn't I say that you helped me? Right. You know, shouldn't yeah. I how do how do I cite that? Right. And there may be different people listening that may have different perspectives on that and uh, but still I'm 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 just throwing it out there like how do you cite chat GPT? Yeah. What is the ethical? What's the right thing to say? Is it enough to say, hey, I use chat GPT on this? Or do you highlight everything that you used? Or if you summarize chat GPT and you add your own stuff and you totally change it, is that okay? And you just say paraphrased or you know, paraphrased right. and changed from chat GPT. Right. What, what are you supposed to do? Well, I know a lot of, at least not a lot, but I've seen some scholarly works now that put chat, chat GPT as an author along with the other. So it'd be Robert McDole, Jared Piles, chat GPT in whatever version they're using. So that's also an option as well, well for, but, for academic journals. But this is interesting. That's not copyright enforceable. Copyright's not enforceable. Because the U.S. Copyright Office won't, um, they don't recognize that as as uh, something that they would, that would fit for copyright. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is like this, this is the episode that gives you lots of questions and no answers. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so I think it comes down to also the erosion you talk about erosion of trust i think there's an erosion of learning as well yeah i mean it's it's the same as copying and pasting stuff from another source sure into your paper you're not actually learning the material well at least in that point you're actually seeing it i mean well unless yeah, you're the I student guess, that, i guess you're doing the same thing with chat gpt unless you're the student who just copied and pasted i wonder if he got any of those like if, if the professor went back and Actually graded him and got him Graded wrong. him, and he realizes he put the wrong answers and the wrong questions. You know what I <laughs> did mean? Because he what, was going did so you fast. Did see what the quiz was? No, I didn't. Oh. I, again, if I had more time, I would have gone up to him and asked mm. him. Not to, like, scare him, but to say, <clears throat> I'm genuinely curious as to why. As to why you're using ChatGPT. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they can see ChatGPT as not only are they using it to plagiarize, but they could see it as now a crutch where this is now their, mm. you know, not to bring into... You know, maybe we, we can take this part out. If I do, I'll make sure to make a note here to take it out. When you're playing a video game, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm 75% through Tears of the Kingdom as we record this podcast. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's a Nintendo game called yes. Zelda. It's Zelda Tears, Tears of, of the, the Kingdom. Kingdom that just came out a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago yeah. at this point, yeah. yeah. Early, early in May. You can go online and see, well, I can't find this thing whatever mm-hmm. it is right well i can go online oh there it is right there yeah 
Do you know how hard it is to then not rely on that guide again when you have another question? If you want to be like, no. Oh, you're going to go back to it. I want to do it myself. But then you realize, oh, but that's so much easier. Sure. And I think ChatGPT is going to become that type of crutch for students. The easy button. Oh, it is really the easy button. So how do we combat that as instructors? Well, it's interesting you say that because my wife has, well, and I guess really ever since COVID, she flipped her classroom. And so flipping the classroom, you know, doing low stakes quizzing and things like that, which she did, um, made it really easy. And, and the, the major assignments and everything were done in class. So she actually had the students do, you know, read the material or watch her videos, which she would normally, that would be the content delivery section. Right. Would have been done in class. She flipped it so that content was done at home as homework and the assignments were done in class. And so ever since she's done that, one, it's made things a lot easier for students because they can't go, well, I didn't get X, Y, or Z. And, you know, now it's like, well, you don't have an excuse because I have that there. And I've told you that time and time again. Yeah. If you're struggling with it, I've pointed you back to it, even during class. You know, if you don't remember whatever, verb tense or whatever it is, uh, you have that. And so that's actually been fairly successful for her. And it's kind of helped her, uh, it, you know, be able to catch folks using AI. Right. Because she's actually, because they have that, I think, what did I tell you that was, Nearpod or? Nearpod. I think it's yeah. Nearpod. Mm-hmm. And then they Love also. Nearpod. And they also have something like Go, is it Go Guardian? Yes. One of the screen. Yeah. So she can sit there and. Observable things. She can observe all the kids' screens when they're busy doing their assignments. So she, she sees those things and she can have the conversations, you know, uh, because she's watching their screens. Right. Um. So. Them using AI in class is is very, very hard. Sure. It's hard for them to do it and get away with it. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more. You know, I've already seen some faculty in other places say, well, back to the blue books. Uh, oh, man. And, you know, doing handwritten assignments in class and, and uh, those kinds of things. So... Uh, and for those that think that digital stuff is immune from this, I think you need to maybe go out and look at MidJourney. Adobe's also coming out with some AI tools as well to generate video, generate even voices. I mean, yeah. we've done that, we, yeah, and we've talked about that. So it's like, it's not just writing. It's going to be, you could potentially, you know, have some have some AI write your speech for you and, and then <laughs> use your voice, to, use your voice and record it. Yeah. <laughs> and your facial features and everything else. And you'd be yeah. like, that was a great speech, man. Your eye contact was, although you had three eyes, I'm not sure what <laughs> happened with that. Don't you forget to have three eyes and six fingers. Yeah. You've got six fingers on one hand. All you have to do is watch that pizza commercial that I showed you guys in the office and you'll, they took that down. Oh, I know that. Well, I think that, I think that was because it was a copyright thing. I think the one I shared with you guys was actually a third party, like someone had taken it. I think the original one is still up. I have to look oh, for it, it again. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But anyway, you watch that 
pizza commercial and you think if you just look up AI pizza commercial, you'll start to realize that video video is safe for a while. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's it safe is. because I think also what that guy did with that video is he um, just had Mid Journey generate some stills, right? And then he created the video in After Effects yeah. with the different stills put in there. But it's, yeah. it's still terrifying. Yeah, it was. So yeah, I mean, I think this this emphasizes the need for um, policy mm-hmm. in place. I think that's the first step if we can put like a practical. You know, there's a lot of questions. We don't really have any answers, but I think the start of an answer is at least to create guidelines and policy around using AI right? in, in academics. And could, we need to discuss the why. Yeah. I think that's also something that's, I mean, that's, that's why I would ask my students when they would plagiarize, I would not start with the condemning, I can't believe you plagiarized this. I didn't take it personally, and that took me a, a long time to mm-hmm. get over that. Like, how dare they cheat on my right. paper? This is, but starting with the why there, because usually, you do it? usually the why is, you know, I mean, sometimes it's I'm lazy and I, I don't like your class, which more power to you. This has nothing to do with my major and I don't want it hurting my GPA. Exactly. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it also could be, I just didn't really understand what was going on and I needed a way out. And that provides a great opportunity for you as an instructor to say, oh, let me help you. Mm. So I think going to the why, but I think also, like I said, creating some sort of, you know, guidelines, policies, creating responsibility, trying to help students. You know, we talk about digital footprint and talk about their, what are they leaving, um, what digital footprint they're leaving behind. You know, talk about the responsibility of using AI as well. Yeah. Talk about that. You know, what are you, what, how are you, how is this ethical? Is the way you're using this? Is it ethical? Well, mm-hmm. And it's a whole different conversation. Yeah, but at least starts a dialogue. It's not condemning and says, uh, "You fail." Sorry, there's no redemption here. This should probably be an aspect or a carry on of, uh, and I, I know I'm going to the old timers well here, maybe for some. And that is Francis Schaeffer's "How Should We Then Live?" Sorry, but old timers well sounds like some sort of restaurant in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Tennessee. It, might, it might well be. Go down to the old timers well. They have the a buffet timers. at 4.30. Ye old time uh, 250 restaurant. 250 items on that buffet. <laughs> That's a diner. Crab legs. <laughs> yeah. In but, Tennessee. In Tennessee. Uh, but, but with that, though, is just the idea of, you know, one of the things that Francis Schaefer did, and I think he, he did pretty well, was to talk about media the infiltration of how you could frame ideas, how you could frame philosophical perspectives, and then how that how that um, meted out or how it came out, what the resolution was then, and how you could implement, you know, what we today would call false narratives or false news or something like that. You could you could manipulate masses of people. I don't think this is any different. Hmm. I mean, genuinely, but it's it's a much greater scale, and you could even have this thing, and you could ask it questions, and as people get really good answers, and they become comfortable with it, right, they're going to keep looking to it. They're going to act like, just like any technology, right? We don't, we don't get out in, in our cars and think about the road that we get on until there's a pothole. Yeah. 
right? It's mm-hmm. what we call an invisible technology. Telephones made that as well. Like when you pick up a phone, you expect to hear a dial tone. You don't even think about it. You just hear a dial tone. You dial a number, and now maybe that's changed a little bit with, you know. Yeah, I wonder how many of our listeners don't know what a dial tone is. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going How many way people in our far. department don't know what a dial tone is? <laughs> two, three? Oh, goodness. Both of them don't. don't. Neither of the two young people in our department know what a dial tone is. But they know what a smartphone is. They sure do. And they know, they know if they need to dial a number, they have to hit the little green telephone button. Yeah. They just assume every smartphone's going to have a little green telephone button. Anyway, the, my point's the same. AI is going to, I think, have potentially uh, invisible properties where mm. you just expect it. Kind of like where we're at with Wikipedia now. Yeah. Wikipedia, when, when it first came about, the scholars and teachers, no, you can't depend on that. It's terrible. Yep. Now you have scholars actually... You know, citing, citing Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I think we we did ask more questions than we we gave answers. Yeah. We need mainly mainly because I don't know if there's much answers to it right now. It's too right. new of a thing. And I'm hoping when we have our roundtable, which yes. is upcoming, another great segue. You're on yes. a roll. I my I'm looking forward to having these questions that we've we've discussed in the past two episodes bringing them to our colleagues, and uh, just having, I think, what will be a fruitful conversation. You know I'm going to be part of that panel. Yeah. So. I know. I'm bringing the intellectual level way down. We may not have a discussion whether or not no, I should be part of I, that panel I'm looking not. forward to hearing what your, what your experiences are with this assignment that you're doing in your class. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Anyway, that's coming up soon. We're going to be talking with some instructors here on our campus about their usage and experiences with ChatGPT and OpenAI. Be sure to stick around for that. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.